Thank you for your good singing. Thank you, Pastor Craig, for the introduction. We're continuing in our series tonight, Christ in the Crisis. Remember, we're looking at the various miracles of the Lord Jesus, how in his ministry he encountered various crises, but those crises gave way to a miracle. They were fertile soil to prove the glory and the power of the Lord. And tonight, if you would turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and we're reading at verse number 22. Mark chapter 5 and verse 22, just for context. A well-known portion of scripture to many, no doubt. This is the account of the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, and reading at verse number 22. The word of God says this. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things, of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And be whole of thy plague. And amen. And we know God's word does not return to him void. This little narrative that we find here in Mark's gospel is a really interesting interaction. We find two people really in this scenario along with the Lord Jesus. We have Jairus and we have this woman with the issue of blood. A man and a woman. One rich and one poor. One respected and one rejected. One famed and one ashamed. We can see the parallels between these two individuals. But really the only individual that I want to focus on tonight is this woman with the issue of blood. And again, I would like to go down verse by verse and see what we can glean from the various verses that we look at tonight. Starting at verse number 25, it says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Really just to simplify that, or perhaps to put it in different terms, this woman had an issue of blood for as long as Jairus' daughter had been alive. She'd had this problem. For as long as Jairus' daughter had been alive. She'd had this problem since Jesus was perhaps about 20 years old. And the stigma and humiliation of such a condition. Was perhaps only second in the land to leprosy. You can see how much of an outcast this woman must have been. In fact look here in his writings. Whenever he talks about the issue of blood that she has. The word that he uses is a word used later on in scripture for affliction or, or scourging. It's the same word that's used later on in Luke's gospel to describe the act 
that is done to the Lord Jesus, he is scourged. You can see the pain and the infliction upon this woman's body due to this thing that she has within her. And the very law of the Israelites, certain things had to take place. If this woman was married, she had to divorce her husband. She couldn't live in her home. She had to leave her home even. She had to be ostracized from society. She couldn't come into contact with her old friends. She was excommunicated from the synagogue. She was shut out from the woman's court in the synagogue. The, the woman's court in the synagogue is the only area of the court where a woman could go. In your Bible in Luke 21, Jesus tells the story of the widow who puts her two mites in the poor box. This is where it would have occurred. She wasn't even allowed in there. You can see how this woman really was afflicted by this terrible plague in her body. She had suffered many things of many physicians, verse 26. And she spent all she had, but she was none the better. Rather, she grew worse. Now, the thing is here. In Luke's gospel, whenever he tells this story. In Luke's gospel, you have to remember that Luke is a physician. So he's going to be a bit gentle. He's, he's going to be a bit gentle on his own profession. So whenever Luke tells the story, he says that it's incurable. It's an incurable disease. It's an incurable issue that she has. Mark, Mark's not a physician. So he tells of how it is. He tells of how it is. And she suffered many things of many physicians. And had spent all she had and was nothing bettered. Many of the things, no doubt, that she was told to do. In those days probably would have just made her worse. Of course. Of course. Perhaps you can think back to various medications that were given in medieval times. Bloodletting where they put leeches on your body. No. Sure that would have been no use at all. At one point they would have prescribed mercury for you to drink. That would have bettered you in some way. Absolutely not. These are the things no doubt this woman was prescribed along those same lines. It didn't help at all. Rather she grew worse. But something happened in her life that changed because in verse 27 it says, When she had heard of Jesus. When she had heard of Jesus. You know, you cannot believe right until you hear right. And I wonder, dear friend, sitting here in the meeting tonight, I wonder what you listen to throughout the week. Now, I imagine you listen to Grange Baptist on repeat. Uh, all the time. At least I hope so. But imagine those sermons that you listen to on YouTube or however you do. The headphones in your ear while you're walking or running. Perhaps in the radio in the car. What do you listen to? Because you cannot believe right unless you hear right. My dear friend, you have to make sure that you're listening to the right people. You have to make sure that you're not listening to an individual who says something in error, who says something wrong, who says something false, and perhaps even someone who says something heretical. You have to be very careful who you listen to. The Bible says here that this woman heard, but whenever she heard about Jesus, she acted. Her belief resulted in action. She pursued the Lord Jesus. James chapter 2 and verse 26, faith without works is dead. I believe it was Martin Luther who said that works do not save, but a saving faith works. Works do not save, but a saving faith works. This woman heard about Jesus and so she decided she would go and she would touch him. Her faith caused her to move forward. Her faith caused her to move forward, to go and to touch 
God. I think sometimes in prayer meetings we always pray for an outpouring of God. I believe there's nothing wrong with that. I believe we should. Pray for an outpouring of God's spirit in our land, in our town, in our community, in our church. But sometimes I think whenever we pray that we don't really remember that God has put us here for a reason too. God has put us here for a reason too. We pray sometimes and we think perhaps heaven is holding out on us. Perhaps we think there's going to be a Calvary part two. A Pentecost sequel. No dear friend, you and I, we are the church. We are the church. And the local church here in this village, here in Grange, or in Limavati, or wherever it may be, we may be the only move of God this town ever sees. An evangelical church in a townland or a village might be the only move of God that place ever sees. And we don't really need to go chasing the move of God. You and I, dear friend, we are the move of God in this place. We are the move of God in this place. And I wonder what you are doing. What you are doing to glorify and to honour the Lord. And I know just as Pastor Craig announced that we do so much. And praise the Lord for it. And God bless us. Doesn't he? And praise the Lord for it. To receive her healing, this woman had to hang on Jesus' reputation. And she let go of her own. She wanted so desperately and believed in Jesus' power so fully that she was willing to risk it all, even her life, to go after Jesus. This woman was unclean. She was ritually unclean. We see here in this passage that there were so many people around the Lord Jesus that they pressed against them. Anybody this woman would have pressed against on the way to get to Jesus would have been made unclean. Anybody who realized that she was there in the midst could have stoned her and would have a right to do so. This woman put it all on the line to go and to see Jesus. And that's how you and I must be if we want to see miracles in our life. We have to become confident in God and we have to dare to, to leave everything on the line. We have to choose Jesus' reputation over ours every single time. Sometimes we sing that little chorus or that little phrase even. I take my life and let it be. Holy consecrated Lord to thee. I wonder how often do we actually believe it. I just recently finished reading the biography of Leonard Ravenhill. It's entitled In the Light of Eternity. It's a big chunky read. I really wouldn't recommend it. But in his book he says, My main ambition in life is to be on the devil's most wanted list. My main ambition in life is to be on the devil's most wanted list. I wonder how many people in the world, including myself, can say that's my ambition in life. That's my ambition here in Grange. Here in Grange, I want to be on the devil's most wanted list because of what I do in my church and what I do in my community, what I do in my workplace. This woman put it all on the line to go and see Jesus. And she said to herself in verse 28, If I may touch but his clues, I shall be whole. In Luke chapter 8 verse 44 in his account of this story he says this. She came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood staunched. The word here for touched it really means to clench, to clutch onto. She came up to the Lord Jesus and she grabbed hold 
The same word is actually used in John 20, verse 17. Whenever Mary Magdalene sees the Lord Jesus, whenever he's resurrected, she goes to grab him and hold on to him. She grasped the Lord. But you know what, dear friend? I imagine she didn't even have to do that. That's just my take on it. I imagine that she didn't even have to do that. Do you know how much faith this woman needed to be made whole? All she needed was a piece of cloth between her forefinger and thumb. That much faith. That much faith would have sufficed. That much faith. A mustard seed of faith. Imagine that. A mustard seed of faith is all it would have taken. A mustard seed. I remember during COVID, and I find sometimes it's mentioned too often by Hannah Paul, but we all have a lot of stories to tell about COVID. But during COVID, I remember reading a little thing in a Christian magazine regarding COVID. How the entire world basically came to a halt because of a microscopic virus. Imagine what you and I can do with a mustard size seed of faith. A microscopic virus caused the entire world to come to a halt. Imagine what you and I can do with a mustard seed. Imagine. Luke 17 and verse 6. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. You know something that most people maybe get confused about that verse? If you were to go to a sycamore tree and tell it to be uprooted and to be planted in the sea, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, it would do it. Jesus doesn't say, you can say to the sycamore tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea. No. No. He doesn't say be uprooted and just thrown into the sea. Be thou plucked up by the root, by the root, and be thou planted in the sea. You ever planted something in the sea? You ever done that? Could you do it? No, you can't do it. It's an impossibility. But yet Jesus here says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can perform an impossibility due to your faith in Almighty God. Not your faith in and of itself, but the object of your faith, God. God. You can say to your tree, be uprooted and replanted in the sea. Replanted in the sea? Sure, that's impossible. But you can do it if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. This woman came to the Lord Jesus and she grabbed the hem of his garment. Just the edge of his clothing. Just the edge of his outer garment. The Hebrew word for border. The Hebrew word for border can also be translated as the word wing. I'm not saying Jesus had wings. But the word for wing I think is a beautiful reminder of Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. But unto you that fear my name. Shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and shall grow up as calves at the stall. Jesus. Jesus had healing in and of himself. Jesus could heal by his power. Many biblical scholars interpret this as the tassels at the age of Jesus garment. Every devout Jewish man wore an outer robe with blue tassels on it. These tassels were worn in obedience to the command in Numbers chapter 15. Verses 38 to 40. If you want to look it up, you can. Numbers 15, chapters 30, or verse 38 to 40. And they were to signify to other individuals and to remind the man himself of all the commandments and promises of God. They symbolized a Jewish man's obedience to the law. This woman, this woman touched the very part of Jesus' clothing that represented his purity. It represented his ritual purity. This woman was unclean. And she touched the very part of Jesus' clothes that represented his cleanness. 
And instead of being unclean then, Jesus made her clean. This woman came and she was sinful. This woman came and she was diseased. And she touched Jesus. She held on to the promise that his purity is greater than my impurity. And she was changed. She was changed. Jesus' garments in and of themselves were unique. They were unique. In John 19, 23, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. I think this little verse in and of itself, there's a real gospel story in there, isn't there? Real gospel story in that. These four soldiers sought to leave with a part of Calvary. A part of Calvary. In a gospel service, I wonder how many people leave with a part of Calvary. These soldiers sought to leave with a part of Calvary. Jesus' garment was seamless. It represented his character. It represented his character and his actions because Jesus' character was seamless, coordinated. It was unified. Jesus Christ was like his garment, uninterrupted, seamless perfection. This woman took hold of the promises of Almighty God that she could be healed. The Bible says in verse 29, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. I think it's amazing that she didn't have to pay a penny. She comes here to Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals the great physician, and she doesn't have to pay a penny. The gift that she receives is as free as the air she breathes. She leaves here healed and blessed simply because she puts her faith in Jesus. But that doesn't end there. See, the story doesn't end there. It would be amazing if it did. It would be amazing if it ended there. But it doesn't. It doesn't end there at all because in verse 29, the Lord Jesus, or verse 30, sorry, the Lord Jesus says, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Only Mark gives us the detail here that Jesus turned around. Humanly speaking, faith gets God's attention. Faith gets God's attention. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Jesus already knew the answer to this question whenever he asked it. He already knew the answer. You can tell that. And by verse 32 even. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Before she revealed herself, Jesus knew it was a woman. Jesus knew who had touched him. He knew who had touched him. And there were lots of crowds that day who were there. Lots of people pressing against him. And that reminds me of a very simple but yet important truth. Many people that day crowded around the living word that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But nobody touched them in faith and therefore their lives weren't changed. There are many people in the world who gather around the written word. But they don't depend upon it in faith and therefore their lives are not changed. There were lots of people touching the Lord Jesus that day and their lives weren't changed. But this woman's was. Because this woman touched in faith. This woman came to Jesus with a need and she knew Jesus was able to fulfill that need. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me. Matthew actually tells us this was Peter who said this. Of course it was Peter. 
Peter's the spokesman. It's always Peter. Thou sayest, sayest thou who had touched me? They were so pressed on all sides that the disciples were baffled that he even asked this. We were pressed on all sides. In fact, in Luke chapter 8 and 19, just a little bit before the account, it says this. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Even his very mother and family were not able to get near him because of the crowd. That's how much people were there. I'm sure whenever this woman came to see him, it was no easy task. Whenever Jairus came to see him, it was a different matter. Because it was Jairus. Jairus was a religious leader. A ruler in the synagogue. Whenever Jairus came to see the Lord Jesus, they probably parted and made access for him. But they wouldn't have done so for this woman. If they knew she was there, they would have stoned her. The fact that this woman came and pressed against the crowd, it means that everyone who's seen her would have been unclean, as I've already said. But it's remarkable the fact that she came and she did it in a weakened condition. In a weakened condition. An uncooperative crowd. This woman's weak. She suffered a prolonged illness, one which progressively got worse over time. I'm sure it would have been a fight just to get out of bed in the morning, if she even did. Due to her, her condition, she probably had iron deficiency, anemia. Honestly, I'm not an expert, by the way. I'm just Brian. But she had anemia, probably. She had an issue of blood. She bled. She had iron deficiency. She probably had probably struggled to do very much actually. And yet this woman with all her determination goes to see Jesus. Verse 32. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. Notice again that Jesus knew it was a woman. He knew who had done it. And in this little verse. In this little verse in the Greek it uses the word peri. Which is where we get our word perimeter. You can see Jesus here. He's turned around to address the crowd. And he's scanning. He's looking. When's this woman going to come forward? When's this woman going to come forward and say what needs to be said? When's she going to admit what she had done? You see, whenever her faith whenever her faith resulted in her healing, that was all well and good. But now her faith results in obedience. You see, Jesus calls her to come forward. Her faith resulted now in obedience. Obedience. We should be obedient to the word of God, of course. I wonder, dear Christian, here tonight, is there something perhaps in the Word of God and you struggle to obey it? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. There are things perhaps maybe that you're prone to. The Bible in Hebrews refers to that besetting sin, that sin which does so easily beset you, that sin that so easily overcomes you. My friend, I wonder how how do we respond in obedience to Christ when it comes to his Word? Sometimes there are difficult commands, but we are called to obey. We are called to obey obey and this woman did exactly that in verse 33 but the woman fearing and trembling knowing what was done in her came and fell down before him and told him all the truth she didn't just tell him half the truth she told him all the truth i find that's what women do they they tell you everything but there you go this here this woman whenever she came forward whenever she chose no longer to remain anonymous there were many different reasons why Jesus brought her forward. You want to know three of them? I'll tell you three of them. First reason for her own sake. Because Jesus wanted to be more than just a healer to her. 
Jesus didn't want to just be a healer. He wanted to be her savior and her friend. If it had ended in verse 29, she could have went home and said to herself, I've found a cure. But because Jesus spoke to her, because she came forward, she could go home saying to herself, I've found a friend. Not only that there, for her own sake, because the crowd around about them would have then realized that she'd been healed, would have heard it at Jesus' own lips. This woman has been made whole. And therefore, she would have been allowed back into her family situation. She would have been allowed back into the synagogue. Imagine if she had to be proved to individuals by herself. Imagine how much convincing that would have taken. But here, Jesus simply speaks to her in front of everyone. And everyone knows she's healed. For her own sake. For Jairus' sake. Remember, Jairus is standing here. I find that absolutely mind-blowing, by the way. Jairus is standing while all of this is going on. Jairus has come to get the Lord Jesus to heal his daughter who is sick unto death. And on the way there, this woman stops to interrupt him. Or at least she comes and touches Jesus and Jesus turns around. If you were Jairus, let's be honest. You would look at the Lord Jesus and think to yourself, what on earth are you doing? My daughter is sick unto death and you're talking to a woman here. Let's go. Hurry up. But no. You see, this woman demanded Jesus' attention. But it was also for Jairus' sake. Because Jairus seen this woman be healed, that gave him encouragement that his daughter could be healed. For her sake, for Jairus' sake, and also for the sake of those around her. He did this. That is, the Lord Jesus brought her forward for the sake of all those who were around her. The Bible notes that the whole crowd heard her explaining to Jesus why she had touched him and explaining what had happened. How she touched him in faith and had been made whole. Everyone heard her say it. And this woman's testimony of the event spread far and wide. It spread far and wide. If you flick forward with me to Mark chapter 6 and verse 56. Mark chapter 6 and verse 56. And whithersoever he entered, that is Jesus, into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. These individuals all heard about the healing that took place just by touching the hem of his garment. And everybody knew that's all they had to do. This woman's testimony spread far and wide. And as a result, other people began to do the same thing. Sometimes our acts of faith need to be shared with other people. The more acts of faith, I'll be honest with you, the more acts of faith that I see, the more likely I am to step forward and courage as well. Billy Graham said this one time, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. I wonder, dear friend, do you step out in faith? Do you step out in faith? You know in the Bible, in Revelation 21 and verse 8, it gives those list of individuals who are, who are in hell. Those list of individuals who are in hellfire. And there's lots of people there. Murderers, sorcerers, idolaters. People you would expect. But the Bible lists in Revelation 21 and verse 8, another group of people who are in hell. Cowards. 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 Now, dear Christian, don't misunderstand me tonight. If you're here and you're saved and you're scared to tell a person at work that you're saved, you're not going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. 
But cowards are in hell. And cowardice is one of the silent plagues that destroy churches today. Cowardice. Cowardice prevents Christians from having that hard conversation with other individuals who they know to be in sin. Cowardice, cowardice feeds gossip. Gossip is whenever you hear something you like about someone you don't like and you spread it to everyone. Instead of going to the person you heard it about and talking to them. You're too scared to go to them. You don't want to. That's cowardice. That's cowardice. Cowardice keeps pastors in our churches from confronting individuals who need confronting. I'm not referring to Pastor Craig, by the way. In churches. They're scared to have those difficult conversations, even though it's for the betterment of the church as a whole and for the spiritual well-being of the individual. That's cowardice. Cowardice extinguishes our evangelistic fervor. You're scared to tell the person that you're saved. That's cowardice. I know it's hard, but it's cowardice. Cowardice keeps men from leading their homes. Men who are scared to stand up and say we're going to follow the principles of God's word in this home. That's cowardice. We can see that this individual, this woman, whenever she came forward, her testimony spread far and wide. And other individuals came and received healing because of what happened to her. And Jesus addresses her in verse 34. Verse 34, our last verse that we came to. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. You know, Jesus wasn't done with her just yet. She needed to be healed or restored physically. She needed to be restored socially. But she also needed to be restored spiritually. Spiritually. In this verse, Jesus calls her daughter. Daughter. Indicating that Jesus had accepted her into his kingdom as a daughter because of her faith. You see, at the start of this little passage, she's known by her issue. At the end of the story, she's known by her identity. And how do I know that this woman saved? Well, the Greek word for saved is used here in verse 34. It's a word that's used in scripture for salvation. Jesus literally says to her, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. It's not the word for healed. That's a different word. It's the word for saved. Saved. That doesn't just mean she's saved from hell, but she's made whole. Her life's different. Christ came in and she's made whole. And Jesus healed people in the word of God who had no faith. And he healed people who had faith. I know that. I know that. But Jesus never healed or never saved anybody who had no faith. Jesus healed people who had no faith. He healed people who did have faith. But he never saved anybody who had no faith. The daughter of Jairus was healed due to her father's faith. Whenever Jesus comes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he heals Malchus here, there's no faith from anybody, but he heals it anyway. The woman here seems to demonstrate in this passage a faith which brings her into the category as a child of God. She's a daughter. And what does Jesus say to her? Go in what? Peace. Go in peace. And that word peace is not just a, a word that Jesus, Jesus throws around. Peace belongs only to those who have peace with God. Jesus just doesn't say to anybody, go in peace. Peace is only for those who have made peace with God. This dear woman at the start of our story was a broken reed. And she was a flickering wick. But Jesus fanned the flame of her life and made her whole. She'd recovered her health. she recovered herself back to society because of the Lord. She recovered herself back to her family, back to the synagogue, and her right standing with God. I think this woman... My opinion again. I think that's a very dangerous thing to say behind the pulpit sometimes. This is just my opinion. 
I think this woman was likely part of the 500 believers who were gathered after the resurrection who seen Christ in Galilee, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6. I think she was there. I think she was there because this woman had faith in Almighty God. This woman wasn't scared to put her own reputation on the line. She wasn't scared what it meant to her own life to go and see the Lord Jesus. And as a result of what she put on the line, other people were affected by it. Her testimony spread far and wide. Whenever the, came to, whenever the push came, she wasn't a coward. She was scared. The Bible says she trembled. But she came forward. And because she came forward, God used her testimony for other individuals. Dear church, I wonder what we're doing for the Lord. I wonder, has your testimony spread far and wide because of what you do for Jesus in this church, in this community, where you are in your family? May it be so. Just before I hand back over uh, to Pastor Craig for the prayer points, perhaps we'll just bow in a moment of prayer ourselves. Our Father in heaven, we do thank thee for this a story that we read in the word of God, this true story of a woman who came with this issue of blood. Father, as already said, at the beginning of the story, she was known by her issue, but now she was known by her identity. She became a daughter in the kingdom of God. And Father, we are thankful for every individual here tonight who are part of the family of God because of the object of our faith, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray even that as we look out to this Christmas period, that you would give us the opportunities to talk to people about our faith. Father, may we do it in trembling at times. May we do it stuttering and stammering. But Father, we pray that even you would give us the words to say that might strike a chord with some individual. Father, we thank you for what you're doing even in our own lives, in our families, in our church and in our community. And Father, we see those raindrops of blessing but father for the showers we plead father we pray that you would move and yet father we understand that we are a move of god in this place help us to go forward in that realization for father we pray this in jesus name amen amen, amen.